Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. This week I'm joined by Matt in London and Gary in London as well. Um, welcome guys and Matt, I'm going to come to you first for your football moment of Game Week 2. Um, so I think the big talking point moment of uh, Game Week 2 was probably the, the city at the end of the City-Tottenham game um, and the the goal that wasn't because VAR ruled that it was uh, deliberate handball, or not, not even deliberate handball, but just handball, but that disallows the goal. Um, so it was all sort of technical rules that would never be spotted by the referee suddenly coming to play because VAR exists. Um, and another match where, as a Man U fan, the, hand, the newly changed handball rules benefit us again. So it was good to see Man City uh, not win the game in the same way. It was great to see Man U get a random penalty in the Champions League last season. So similar, that game. I mean, we, we said we were kind of hoping that it would be similar, but similar to the semi-final second level in the Champions League last season with the VAR disallowed goal again. Um, it, yeah, it was because yeah, that, that, the late goal, Man City dominance from start to finish, but every so often Tottenham have one attack and it just goes in straight away. It was uh, it's, Tottenham just have some sort of like hex over Man City at the moment, it would, look, would seem. And in a similar way, Kane seemed to have a very similar kind of impact. Uh, did he play in that game or was it he just came back for the Champions League final? But maybe he didn't play in that game. But I just thought he had very little impact in, in the game on the weekend. He was playing so deep. All the threats seemed to be coming from the midfielders. Yeah, I mean, when Lucas Moore came on, he looked remarkable. Uh, he's, he's in my fantasy team at the moment. I, I dropped him for this game, which is a shame. But... Uh... Yeah, I was really pleased at the start when he wasn't even in the team. I can't believe he wasn't in the team, though, because as soon as he came on, he looked amazing. Yeah, there's some strange calls from Pochettino at the moment. Um, but, you know, it worked, so fair enough. Gary, what was your football moment of the week? Um, so it was from the same game. It was um, basically um, Kevin De Bruyne. I, I think when um, when I had my fantasy team a couple of seasons ago, he was the the backbone of it um and he's just such a good player to watch he's kind of can do everything uh and it was mainly that that cross he put in for the first goal where he knew exactly where kind of the, the run that sterling was going to do when he put the whip and the bend on the, the cross to kind of pick him out at the far post and um I, I do think um it'd be great to see him have a kind of a full run in the, the team again this season because um uh, as good as City were last season, he didn't have much of a role. He was always kind of getting these niggling injuries. Um, so, so it's great to see him uh, back playing again. He seemed to be kind of two steps ahead in of everyone else on the pitch. Well, maybe not, you know, the strikers running for his balls, but um, he was just out thinking people. You could see it and his positioning for where he needed to cross the ball and when he was going to receive it. Um, when they analysed it on match today, it was so clever. Do you do you think he's going to be a permanent fixture? Do you think he's going to play like he did in seasons gone by? He's going to play as many games as he can, or do you think Pep's going to rest him here and there? I mean, def definitely. I, th I think if he uh, that that role as one of the two kind of number eights they have either side of the the holding midfielder is is made for him. And I think I think. Pep would, I mean, he kept trying to rush him back from injury last season, so he knows how important he is. He's, he's one of the best players in the world, so um, definitely, I think. But he's, um, it, I mean, the only question you can't answer is, can he stay fit for a season? Is he going to be a player that is constantly having these niggling injuries? Um, 
or, or can he get back to full fitness? I hope I hope he can, but um, I, so, but I'd, I'd definitely be very tempted to um, to bring him into my team. If, um, um, yeah, if he can keep uh, if he can keep fit. Yeah, me too. Um, and he seemed to have a slight more license to roam forward a little bit more this season in the Charity Shield and and this game and the game before. Whereas before, I think he he played a lot deeper, a bit more of a kind of quarterback role. Maybe with is it Rodri? Rodrigo, um, their new defensive midfielder, maybe he's got slightly more license because he's a younger, younger than Fernandinho and he's got slightly more legs. I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, that. well, I, I think like two seasons ago, I mean, he got he got up to nearly 200 points in the, the FPL, didn't he, on the, on the fantasy, and he scored a good dozen or so goals and quite a lot of assists. So I think, I think he's always had that, that flexibility to um, kind of roam um, and kind of well, the the way they kind of sometimes interchange positions, you'll, you'll get him and you'll get David Silva kind of popping up, kind of beyond the the wingers, or or kind of the wingers will pull wide and create space for for him and Silva to kind of to go into drive into. So um, he's a big part of their attacking play. He's he's not always the one on the end of the, the cross at the end of it. So um, you, you you you're probably never going to get like a massive. Um, Hall of points from him, but but yeah, no, he's, he's he's just a wonderful player to watch, and it's part of the it's part of when you're picking a team that if you go too stats driven, you just want to pick players who are just really good players who are actually gonna um, like sometimes the stats can say strange things that certain players are doing well, but when you just watch De Bruyne play, you're just like this guy's quality. He's he's one of the best players like to have played in the Premier League, and um, he, he's going to be at the heart of the team really. So so yeah, he's a He's a great one to to think to, to to watch. I think definitely, and and from one of the best Premier League players uh, in history to another, and um, my football moment of the week has obviously got to be Ashley Barnes, um, because he came to visit Arsenal uh, this week, and he was he was Ashley Barnes. He Ashley Barnes it completely. He was so Barnesy. Um, <laughs> so he scored against Arsenal again, having scored against us home and away last season. There were slow-mo replays of him uh, kneeing, I think, um, Guendouzi in the small of the back in midair, you know, focusing on where he was going to hit him with his knee, achieving <laughs> it, and then complaining to the referee about the player diving. Um, at the end of the game, as, as Burnley are charging upfield to try and get the equaliser, um, suddenly he's outbarnsed by the mountain you know, if if Gilberto Silva was the invisible wall, then Kalasinac is the very visible mountain. Um, he was out shithoused because Kalasinac, he let him run into him. Barnes fell over and Kalasinac pretended that Barnes had taken him out and got the free kick. So there is a new god and it is uh, Kalasinac. He is he's the new shithouse king. But um, I did see on, I think this was on Twitter where I saw it. Um, it might have been somewhere else, but... Um, a Burnley-based uh, grime artist has now produced a track called Ashley Barnes, all about Ashley Barnes. I'm going to add it to the end of the podcast um, for grime fans and Ashley Barnes fans. Sounds um, like the most creative thing to ever come out of Burnley. Ouch. <laughs> hey, you, you Goodmanson? I mean, okay, yeah, fair enough. It probably is. <laughs> um, but it's at, if you want to find it on Twitter, it's at Bacchus UTH. Um, so check it out and, and listen to the end of the podcast if you want to hear it. Um, okay, so 
What about your FPL moment of the week, Matt? Um, so, I mean, h- highs and lows for my team this, this week. Um, at one stage, it was looking like my entire back five was going to clean up with clean sheets. But then uh, Liverpool conceded a goal, which has probably affected many people. But I also had Max Ahrens, and uh, I was very annoyed by the, the late consolation that no one else cared about other than fantasy managers who had Norwich defenders in their team. Um, a completely meaningless goal in the last kick of the game when they're winning 3-0. Uh, but that, that took away Max Aaron's clean sheet, which is quite annoying. But then on the flip side, I had um, Lundstrom in my team, whose uh, goal and clean sheet today has uh, saved my game week. So that's been a nice bonus that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, the unexpected hero. I, I see, Dunk, that you've got him lurking on your bench as well, ready to uh, to pounce on. So I'm, I'm really dislike Lundstrom even more than I... I thought I could dislike a Sheffield United player. Every, everybody seems to have it. Um, and speaking of like lurking on my bench, I have been so jammy this week. My FPL moment of the week is two very, very jammy things. So uh, I think it was uh, someone on Twitter was saying that there was rumours that King, Josh King, wasn't going to be playing. Um, so... I had some concerns over King from the first game. I didn't really like him being in my team. I was going to stick with him, but when I saw that rumour, I thought I'll bring in Pookie because he's good fun and um, he's playing against Newcastle and looked pretty dreadful. Um, got a hat-trick, so that's pretty jammy. But then Barkley against Chelsea was in my first team and I was just praying that he wasn't going to start because Lundstrom's first on my bench, praying that he wasn't going to come on as a sub and he, and he didn't. So... The two of the jammiest moments oh. in my FBL history, I think. So pleasing to hear. I'm so pleased for you. <laughs> you're storming it now, aren't you? With these um, these 14 points that you're going to get from Lundstrom, you, you start to take you up to about 150. 150 points? Uh, no, oh, across two weeks, yeah. So I'm not yeah. sure, really. I don't know. But um, what I do know is that I have had a very lucky start to the season. So I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can. And it's just fun having Pookie in your team when he's, he's you know, he's got a fun name. He's got a fun face. He plays for a fun team. Um, yeah, and he's playing Chelsea next. So I reckon he can keep going, hopefully. Gary, what was your football, uh, your FPL moment of the week? Well, I mean, I was I was, I was kind of going to mention um, Pookie as well. Not as, a, not as a highlight, more as a low light, because I, as a, kind of had him in my uh, draft team and I did a more serious draft team and he was in that one as well and then right at the last minute I kind of got swayed a little bit by the um, by the stats and decided to go with um, quite boring but Josh King and Troy Deeney as, as the two strikers with two players I don't particularly like but just because they seem to have easier fixtures at the start of the season um, so all kinds of contortions and worry, thinking about putting Pookie in and not or not now. Um, but I, I was kind of pleased in a way to see a player that I'd kind of identified and thought, oh, this guy's going to score some goals. He's going to be a good one to have. Um, and I did pick him as my gut punt for that reason last week. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit painful um, thinking of all the points I could have had. Um, uh, personally, from my team, then I'd. I'd I'd give a shout out to, to uh, Luca Dean, the 
from from Everton, who is a one one of those players that everyone seemed to have last season, but I didn't. But I I decided to go for him this season, and he got um, eleven points for me, which is uh, just about keeping me respectable at the moment. But um, but yeah, uh, I've got the the um, regret, the, the poo- pookie regret. <laughs> <laughs> um, the good thing about that is early wild card. You can afford all of these players who are playing well and are cheap. You know, De Bruyne's less than he should probably be um, if he had two full fit seasons. Pookie's cheap as chips. So, you know, I've I've toyed around with an early wild card um, during the week, and you can build a really, really good team full of form players um, for nothing and still have money in the bank. So, yeah, all to play for, I think. Um, should we have a look at the upcoming fixtures? Um, and Matt, I think you're up first with Aston Villa, Everton. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Everton got a win, uh, 1-0. Not, not, they're not, they don't seem to be scoring many goals, but I mean, that was certainly good enough for Dino owners uh, this week. Uh, and then Villa sort of lost, lost at home and still, still pointless uh, this season. So, I think... I think I predicted both teams to draw last week, and I, I can see this being a, sort of a low-scoring draw, uh, even if Everton are the, probably the much better team and, and should win, uh, just because I think Villa will be even more gunning for it, and I'm just not quite sure if Everton are fully firing just yet. Uh, so that's my thoughts on that one. Um, as for players to look out for, I mean, I think most people have got, well, lots of people have got Dinia, and uh, uh, certainly the 11 points was very useful. Uh, so he's got a good chance of being involved in the goals again um, with his uh, free kicks and, and corners that he's on. Uh, but yeah. He I, went off injured, didn't he, though? Um, oh, did so he? I, I just watched, yeah, he, he went off after 72 minutes and the, the website has him at 75% chance of playing. So it might be just one to, to monitor. Oh, okay. Always, yes. I saw that he had a small flag. There's always Coleman, you know similar kind of goal threat maybe slightly less but um saving 0.5 if he is out yeah and then uh, and the, bud- the budget villa midfielders as well sort of uh everyone sort of uh, quite a few people jumped on mcginn uh this for this week uh but then Greenish has popped up with his assist uh which makes him interesting as well so it's it's yet to be seen who the best budget villa player to go for is uh at this at this stage i'd say if you didn't have any Everton defenders, would you be moving on them now? You know, there's Mina, who seems to be doing well on the bonus, and he's obviously a goal threat from the World Cup. We know that. Coleman, Dinia, um, or would you be wary about that? Well, I don't have any um, Everton defenders currently in my team because uh, I went Maguire instead, uh, which was which which has sort of been level. We'll find out on Monday night how that how that one went. But I'm not tempted just at this stage to go for Everton defenders just because they're a touch pricey. Um, and I think now we're starting to see some of the, the good bargains coming out. People like Pookie. So i would be directing most of my transfers towards the players that look like they're going to be uh, real good point scorers this, this year. And Everton defenders, I don't know, if, if you started off one, keep them because they're doing, they're doing all right. Um, but I don't see them as like... Uh, wants to spend one of your early transfers of the season on? I kind of disagree. I think, you know, the Liverpool defence is um, struggling. A lot of people have doubled up there and spent a lot of budget. So 
downgrading from a seven million Robertson or whoever it is to a six million Dina if he's fit or Mina or Coleman, they've all got goal threat. Great fixtures until uh, game week 15. And, you know, I think they're attacking. They are, they've got a good record of clean sheets at the end of last season, through pre-season and in the season now. And, and those injuries we were worried about in midfield. Um, Gomez has come back. Gavamin, the new signing, played and they kept a clean sheet. So, I don't know. I, I'd be keen personally if, if you're downgrading from somewhere else. Yeah, I guess if you if if it somehow frees up some budget, then um, then I think you can maybe make the case for it um, because you're right that the Liverpool assets, uh, a lot of people are doubled up on some very expensive defenders, um, and so you can free up some money by going going for Everton. But if it's like a level level transfer, then I, I'm not sure it's the most exciting transfer in the world to make. Um, it depends where you're going to spend that money, I guess, that you get for the Liverpool players because. I know Liverpool haven't kept a clean sheet yet, but they're still, uh, uh, still like the second best team in the in the league, and I think are going to keep quite a few clean sheets over the course of the season. Fair enough. Um, next up is one for me, and it's Norwich versus Chelsea. Um, so I think I mentioned this when I was talking about Pookie before um, that the Chelsea defence, I think, is still um, easy not easy to get at, but can still be got at for sure. Um, I watched the Chelsea Leicester game this afternoon and Chelsea really came up the blocks really fast looking to press uh, as Lampard I think likes to do um, and Leicester didn't know how to cope with it but within 10-15 minutes it had all kind of petered out and the game kind of just struggled on from there without much fluidity similar to the Man U game for Chelsea and so I think he's still trying to get his ideas across Lampard and I think defensively um, they're not kind of set yet. It's a new partnership at the back that might even be disrupted soon with Ruda coming back. So with Norwich, how they looked at home against Newcastle, I expect them to take that confidence into the Chelsea game and really cause Chelsea problems. I think both teams will score in this game because Norwich defensively, as Matt said, you know, they, they let in goals. Um, it's, you know, shades of Keegan's Newcastle, just all out attack and, will score more than you, which is good fun. I, I, one really nice pick uh, that a few people have mentioned uh, for Norwich seems to be, and let me get his name right, because uh, I hadn't heard of him before, Cantwell at 4.5, a midfielder. Got two assists uh, this week. Has played both 90 minutes of the game so far. And he's playing an attacking role at 4.5 and starting first team. I think he's in for... Um, Onel Hernandez, who was rolled out um, with a serious knee injury, um, so is, is out for a long time. So it looks, for all intents and purposes, that Cantwell stepped into those into his position, you know, for the time being, and he's certainly performing at a high level. So 4.5 is he even a better a pick than Dendonka at the moment? More attacking um, without the Europa League, um, he looks good, and if you've got 4.5 space or you're trying to free, free up some budget, then he looks pretty good at the moment. Um, it's, a, it's a great shout. What about the Chelsea uh, team? Do you see any picks there? Because they've all got quite nice price points. I think this one is a big one for me because I have Barkley in my team at the moment. Um, and Barkley is the player that I'm going to be moving out because he didn't start and he hasn't done what I hoped he would do, which is be on penalties and, and start to be, you know, step up. 
I think Mount is the pick for me because he's he's played both games. Uh, he's I think he also played in the Super Cup as well. Um, he looks really confident. He's on set pieces. He he was you know ushering Willian away from set pieces uh, later on in the game when Willian came on and blazing them over the bar. But um, <laughs> you know he's got confidence. Lampard clearly likes and knows him, uh, knows how to get the best out of him, and at six million. Uh, he's got goals and he's got threat and I think he's the best pick because Giroud and uh, Abraham are kind of rotating quite a lot. Um, Pulisic, I think, looks like a great player but doesn't seem to have full confidence of uh, Lampard yet. And there's so much changing in those wing positions with Pedro, William, Pulisic. Barkley played on the left wing against Man United. So I think Mount looks like the pick at the moment. Um, I, I do think Chelsea are, I just think that they're going to struggle generally. Um, and it's, yeah, I, th I think it depends who you pick. It, they don't really seem to have a clear idea who their first team is at the moment. Um, so I think he's he's started in that position so far, but you could see Barkley or um, they've got one or two others, like uh, when Loftus-Cheek gets fit again, who, who could also play in that role. So I, I don't know if he's going to be there for the whole season or yeah. the, the foreseeable future it's it's a bit of a mishmash definitely and Lampard said that I think um last week or in the build-up to this game he said you know he might not play every game for us but um he will get a lot of minutes this season so that's a bit of a warning in itself it's just Chelsea's fixtures from game week three until you know almost game week 17 are pretty damn good it's a sea of green and if you can nail a cheap because they're all cheap if you can nail a starter um, who's going to play quite well and they've got the great fixtures and they're a big club so it'd be worth it it's just a bit of a risk totally agree um gary what do you reckon to brighton southampton um so i think this one is probably going to be quite a close game um i'd start by saying that um southampton um haven't lost to brighton in the premier league they've, they've played like the last four seasons, they've drawn a couple and they've won a couple. Um, and saying that, I think I think it's slightly different, difficult to look at Brighton's previous season's results because it's quite a different Brighton this season. And um, they're playing a very possession-based style, and they're, they're kind of looking to play out a lot more from the back. Um, although saying that, I do wonder if Southampton, the the Hassan Hassel, um, <laughs> might might just be the ones to um that it's it's quite dangerous playing out from the back in that kind of possession based style against Southampton because they do kind of break very well from the back and counter attack. They did a couple of really good counter attacks against Liverpool. Um they move it forward very quickly. and uh, and I still think Brighton are um despite showing some promise, I think they're still probably bedding in. So I've I've got a feeling Southampton might might might, might nick this one. Um Probably not going in my team, but um, Pierre-Emile Heuberg. Um, I never quite know how to pronounce his surname. It's got one of those funny um, lines through the O. Um, is £5 million. Um, and he scored in both of the games against Brighton last season. Um, so if you really want to go for an early gut punt, then uh, he's, um, he's one you could watch. How do you know that? How do you know that Hoiberg has scored against Brighton? 
obviously I've been doing my research. This is very, uh, very important, uh, very important fixture. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I would say I'd, I, I suspect I, I have got a sneaky feeling Southampton will win this one. So um, I wouldn't look too much into Brighton being at home. If you had a choice, I'm asking for a friend, if you had a choice between Mason Mount and Leandro Trossard in there for, the, for your team to replace Barkley, who would you be going for? Um, I think I go for Trossard. I, I've, I've got both. I've got both Brighton and Chelsea scoring one goal next week, and I think if they both score one goal, then um, then Trossard's more likely to be involved in it. Fair enough. I've yeah. got Trossard, and it was nice to see him score and get also a disallowed. Well, it wasn't nice to see him get a disallowed goal, but. Seems it's quite a lot of threat, but I'm still slightly worried about his rotation risk at the moment. Um, looks like Brighton will be will be moving their players around, from what Potter says. So I'm still still, still a bit nervous about as a Trossard over, still a bit nervous about him. Fair enough, but then at that six million midfielder point, unless you go for someone like McGinn, um, who's a bit cheaper and maybe not as attacking, then you, you're going to take a risk with anything really. So. Just gonna put your money down and get what you get. Um, Matt, what do you do? You reckon to Man United versus Crystal Palace? Well, we're recording this before Man U have played their game this week, um, Wolves away, which I think actually could be really indicative of how we're gonna do this season because a great result against Chelsea at home, um, but Wolves is the team that sort of beat us a couple of times last season. Um, they'll be a lot more defensive and won't allow us to sort of counter attack on them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Man United do in that fixture. And then I guess Crystal Palace will be uh, an easier version of Wolves, I'd, I'd sort, of, uh, sort of guess. Uh, they haven't started the season very well, uh, but they will probably just try and play counter-attack and sort of uh, block the game out. And it's all about if Man U can break a team down, down when they're relying on the counter-attack, um, as we did against Chelsea. So... Um, I reckon Man U will win it. Um, I don't know if they'll win it massively convincingly. I think maybe it could be just one or two goals because I think Palace and Hodgson will turn up just to sort of line up two banks of four and two strikers basically just sat in their own half for most of the match. Um, but it could be something like a, a Pogba uh, or, uh, yeah, well, someone like Pogba actually for, for a bit of brilliance or sort of long, sh- long shooting ability. Uh, uh, Sort of just to, to break down that sort of a, a stodgy defence. Uh, so that's that's my thoughts on it. Were you tempted? And, and Marsh- in- oh, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to ask: Is is Marshall Marshall? Do you think locked in as centre forward now, Matt? Um, Marshall, I think always has flattered to deceive over the last couple of seasons. So uh, one game uh, where he looked up, he's looked good up front, and and the preseason is not. Not enough for me to know for certain he's going to uh, be in a hot streak of form just yet. Uh, he's always been great at finishing, but it's the running that he's always struggled at and knowing where to run. It's not necessarily the fact he's, he's quick. I've just always thought he, um, he doesn't actually know his game intelligence isn't actually particularly great. Uh, and so I, I have my doubts that Solskjaer can train that into him. But we shall see. Uh, I think I'm a rare Man U fan that doesn't actually rate Martial that highly uh so we shall see what do you i mean i think in our 
end of season pod last season, you were picking out Rashford as a player who you thought you were going to see big things from this season and would be generously priced. I think he is fairly generously priced, um, but he's not on your team. And is he going to be someone who might make it in a wild card or are you sticking away from him for the moment? So definitely. I mean, it was sort of uh, my my initial team was, I, I just don't think I could have picked Rashford uh, for the Manu's opening fixtures and just the level of uncertainty around Manu. Uh, but I do reckon in the way that I think Martial could be good this season, I think Rashford's very probably going to be excellent this season. Um, and even at eight and a half, I think you're now seeing him, he's on, potentially on penalties. Uh, he's taking a lot more of a leadership role within the team. Um, I can see him scoring quite, quite big. Eight and a half is a bit of an awkward price point though with so many cheap strikers and Players like Pookie now being been on form and looking like an essential pick for early transfers. So um, I, I still reckon it's it's difficult to get him in early early teams, but I think over the course of the season he's going to be a regular for many. Yeah, nice one. Um, next up is one for me, and it's Sheffield United versus Leicester. Um, yeah, I think this one is isn't as hard to call as I thought it would be. I think Sheffield United have started the season really well. They've looked really tight at the back, which is what people were predicting from their their kind of clean sheets last season. Um, And I I think the addition of Lundstrom uh, as a kind of starter to shore up that midfield seems to be working pretty well. Um, I think a lot of Sheffield United fans on Twitter have been saying that they didn't think he'd be starting in the home games. He was more of a player for away games to keep things tight. But, you know, he started uh, this week against Palace and got the goal and seems to be racking up the bonus points as well. So um, he's doing well and Sheffield United are kind of grinding out results as well. Um, yeah, and Leicester are struggling. They, they look like a team that I thought would have a lot of promise at the start of the season. Uh, you know, they finished the season well under Rodgers. I thought they'd be really fired up and go out there and play a really attacking form of football with those uh, three behind Vardy, Telemans and Perez and, and, you know, causing lots of problems for teams. But it hasn't worked out like that. They look similar to Chelsea in the Chelsea game. They look really disjointed and not very fluid. Um, So I think they might might take a bit of time to warm up to having, you know, a couple of new signings. and having lost Maguire, who you know might start things at the back for them a lot quicker. Um, so I see this one being a tight game. I don't see Leicester kind of running away with it at all. I think low scoring, and if if Lundstrom is in your squad, then he's worth considering because Leicester haven't looked brilliant going forward. So that may continue. Um, yeah. Apart from that. Picks for Sheffield United, I'd say maybe McGoldrick's not a bad one at the moment. If if you want an enabler up front who seems to start um, most weeks, gets over 60 minutes or so, um, he's a bit of a risk, but a 5.5, I think he's probably the best option at that price if you're looking for someone as your first sub. Um, he might pick up a few goals here and then, but he's basically cheap. Apart from that, the other strikers, you know, Sharp, McBurney, Mousset, um, they haven't seen a lot of minutes yet. So, um, yeah, McGoldrick would be my pick from them. Um, and the midfield, no, no one apart from um, uh, 
no one from Sheffield United really. So Lundstrom and, and McGoldrick, I think. And yeah, when I've seen McGoldrick play against Wednesday, um, he, he's he's the one he's the one of their attackers that he's the most involved. He'll get the most chances. He's not particularly great at finishing the chances, but he's he's the one who because he's a bit quicker and more mobile than sharp. He's the one who actually will create a lot of stuff. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think he's he's probably a better bet than Sharp because Sharp probably isn't going to get that many minutes. Yeah, so a de- decent bench player. You know, you maybe a rotation player if if you had to push it that far for budget. Um, yeah, not much else to say about that fixture. So we'll move on to Gary and Watford West Ham. Okay, so I think there's probably goals in this one. Um, I think. Both Watford and West Ham are both kind of waiting for their seasons to kind of really get um, started and they'll probably be looking at this one as one they can win. Um, and it's a game that's seen quite a lot of goals over the last few seasons. There's usually, I think he's averaging over three goals a game since Watford got promoted. Um, they played right towards the end of last season as Watford were preparing for the FA Cup final and West Ham ripped Watford apart there. It was 4-1. Um, I think Hollabas got sent off quite early on, but West Ham were already 2-0 up at that stage. And Duncan's favourite, Mark Noble, uh, with two goals in that game. So, um, again, if if, uh, if Hoiberg isn't your £5 million gamble, then maybe Mark <laughs> Noble um, is, is the one for you. I, I would I, I heard your words of admiration for Mark Noble last, uh, last pod, Dunk. And... Um, he um he was actually in my squad right up until the last minute and then I uh, I bottled it and I brought in um, Jorginho as my my cheap five million midfielder instead but who knows maybe a triumphant return for Mark Noble is my uh, my guess for this one or if that's a bit too out there then maybe um Lazzini, who's playing quite a bit for um, West Ham these days back from injury is um, six and a half million like might pop up with a goal. He he scored in the game uh, at the end of last season as well. With the with the Mark Lo- Noble love, um, I just want to tell the, Mark, the other Mark Lo- Noble fans out there that they don't have to worry. I might have given them a bit of disinformation last week. He's actually just injured. Don't worry. He'll be back, like Gary said. He's not gone. And long live Mark Noble. The, he just doesn't get old, does he? He looks exactly the same age as when he had his debut, basically. Um, I just yeah. want to clarify, like as as a podcast, I think we'd probably recommend Lanzini as a good pick rather than Mark <laughs> Noble for this one. Surely. Oh yeah, <laughs> FPL <I> mean, wise, <laughs> no. <laughs> the the thing about Noble is he's on penalties, so you never know. He could have a random um, season, like um, um, like a few other players who just who just get like ten penalties a season or something. He could be lurking there as the penalty maestro. You West never, know. You never know. know. West Ham have enough attacking midfielders to win those penalties. So, yeah, why not? A good bench player, at least, um, potentially. Um, OK, so you're, you're saying this, this fixture is averaging over three goals a game. So you're expecting goals. I like that. I'm expecting goals in this one, yeah. Nice. Score draw. Score draw. And have you seen much from Watford so far this season? Um. Not a great deal. Um, they they were they're slightly worrying because they had they had quite a um, bit of a dive towards the end of last season as well. Um, 
So some of the favourites like Pereira and Decore have barely got a point so far. Um, I think, I mean, as I say, I've got Troy Deeney in my team and I might, I'll stick with him, I think, for this one because I think there's probably goals to be had against West Ham. Um, but they they do, I'm worried they look a little bit stale and they don't seem to have any players you know, that they've brought in that are adding anything to the team. So I'm I think we have to count down until the Watford manager maybe gets his marching orders. He's got to be up there at the moment because they love to fire our managers, don't they? Um, bad start for them. Bad start for them. Because I, I quite like Watford usually. I think they're quite a well-run club and it's got some underrated players, but uh, they haven't scored a goal so far this season. So um, I'm a bit nervous for them. Do you remember the, the game where um, West Ham did something, I think, can't remember which player, but he tried uh, to cross the ball around the back of his standing foot, which and all tried to score a goal like that. Maybe it went in, and and Troy Deeney said, "Watford rallied, came back, and won the game." And he said in the interview after the game that that's what fired them up um, to come back and win the game. So maybe this will fire their season up. Maybe they still bear a grudge against West Ham, and Troy Deeney will get back to his old self. We'll yeah. Have to see. Although I heard that they bear a grudge against Everton because they poached Marco Silva, uh, but that didn't do them much work, much good just this week. So I think they much, could be in a bit of trouble, much. Watford. Yeah, maybe. What do you reckon to Wolves-Burnley, Matt? Um, is Wolves-Burnley the next game? It is, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Um, so Wolves-Burnley... Uh, so again, we don't know how Wolves have done because we're, we're doing this pod just before Wolves play Man U. Uh, but Burnley and the Ashley Barnes Austrian arsehole is, uh, is firing really well. <laughs> so I, I reckon I it's, it's a bit of a tough one to predict this one. I reckon it's probably going to be a, a score draw of sorts. Um, I still have uh, hesitations about picking Wolves players because of their Europa League uh games where they're having to travel like enormous distances something that they're, they're not used to as a club playing midweek games and then having to prep again for the weekend games so I think that could take a toll on them a bit this season and Burnley I think suffered from that exact thing last season and this season they're just looking a bit more uh, stodgy and more reliable in their sort of classic Burnley having quite good defence and just scoring goals by the old school English cross it into the big Ben type approach um, Having said that, Wolves are, I think, a more skillful team and are playing at home. So I, I reckon a sort of a, a score draw. If you've got assets, then uh, then I'd play them because there's uh, definitely chances for both sides to score. But ultimately, um, I, I don't know if it's one to bring people in for just yet. Yeah, I agree. I think um, obviously the Austrian arsehole Ashley Barnes is in great form at the moment, um, but. Wolves uh, have a pretty tight defence and like you say, Burnley will probably try and keep things tight and not expose themselves to the counter-attack so uh, chances might be slim on the ground for Ashley Barnes so yeah, I agree, low scoring uh, draw um, fair enough, maybe a nil-nil you never know um, next up is Liverpool-Arsenal and that's one for me um, I think this is going to be a really interesting game because Arsenal seem to be uh, slightly back on form, there's, I'd say, a bit more positivity um, from the fan base and around the club in general. 
um, uh, Sebalos. Bit of a, a shout out to him for his awesome display against Burnley at home on his full home debut. I think it was similar to the home debut of, of the demigod Santi Gazzola, um, who I think I was there that day when he played and he was just looked amazing. And I was texting all you guys saying, get this guy in your FPL team, he's brilliant. And Sevalos seemed to be playing a similar kind of position. You know, he wasn't deep lying, he wasn't the number 10, he was just kind of everywhere. Um, knitting things together, attacking and clearing up defensively and also kind of slightly being the metronome as well. So adding so much more than Xhaka, I think, does and more kind of dynamism um, and energy. As an FPL option, I don't know how effective he will be yet. I think a lot of people will be moving him for him because he's cheap and he's playing for a big team. Yes, we are a big team. And, <laughs> um, 5.5. And on some set pieces, it looks like, but you'd have to see if he's on set pieces with Jacko on the pitch at the same time, how much game time is he going to get? Is he going to be rotated a lot? Um, and the, the assists he got, one was a, a tackle high up the pitch, which Aubameyang scored a great goal from. The other one was a corner, which um, uh, Lacazette did some incredible Lacazette in the box work and tight spaces. So I don't know if you can read too much into that, but um, he definitely seems very motivated um, and a quality player. So definitely one to watch based on the, you know, De Bruyne looks like a quality player, one of the best in the pitch, get him in your team kind of rule. Um, but from that, big shout out to Mane. He's in our joint team. He's started the season on fire and he likes to score against Arsenal. So I think he's a good one to watch. Salah's going to be up against... Um, either Kalasinac or Monreal or maybe Tierney if he somehow comes back in time. So I think that's a bit of a weakness nowadays for Arsenal, the left-back spot until Tierney's up and running and fit and, you know, used to playing in the team with his teammates. So I think Salah could get some joy, definitely. And it's at home for Liverpool. Um, but Arsenal do look a lot safer at the back. Just We just maybe need a little bit of time for Luis to to build up a partnership with uh, Socrates. Um, and yeah, apart what, from that, I think... What sorry, are you predicting? Are you predicting a, a result for Arsenal or, or Liverpool win? I'm predicting goals for Liverpool, I'd say two at a minimum. And Arsenal, goals for Arsenal as well, because Liverpool's defence hasn't looked great. Bamiyang started the season well. Lacazette's looking good. Pepe looked really really cool when he came on the pitch i mean there's confident and then there's you know nutmegging men for fun and then taking them on again without any reason um so he had some really nice touches and i would expect him to start this game now he's kind of got a taste of premier league football and he looks ready for it um yeah and i think uh reese nelson and joe willock have maybe had their their kind of time to prove themselves while other players get match fit um, and I think, yeah, now's the time for the big guns. So goals for Arsenal, more goals for Liverpool, unfortunately, I think. Yeah, I think um, Arsenal look quite exciting. Aubameyang is, uh, is a bit of a tempter. I mean, he's quite a difficult price, but he's uh, just, started really well. I know this happened last season. He, he played on the wing in a few games, but that seems like a system that's going to be much more consistent this season because I think Lacazette and Aubameyang 
have a good partnership and they're two of our best well they are our two best offensive players at the moment so I think when the two play Lacazette is going to be the number nine up front Aubameyang is going to be the support striker or you know one of the attacking front three on the wings so I know he did it last season and he can do it again <laughs> and he can score in any game but um that's the only you know kind of caution I would have with it I just think I he has they might not risk it they might not risk him on the wing though, with uh, Robertson and Alexander Arnold bombing forward, perhaps at Anfield. True, yeah, very true. Um, maybe he'll just go with the one of Lacazette or Aubameyang up front. Maybe it'll be Aubameyang with the pace. Yeah, yeah, good point. And Emery does like to tinker tactically, so I wouldn't be surprised. I, I remember this game last year, and like Liverpool really ripped Arsenal apart. Like Arsenal got quite an early goal and then Liverpool just popped two or three in in the next half an hour. So, but I don't know, maybe Liverpool aren't quite, they don't quite look the same team yet so far. They've, they've, they've been getting results, but they, they, they were quite lucky against Southampton, I think. So, so maybe it's a chance for Arsenal to um, put a marker down. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, Gary, what do you reckon to Bournemouth, Man City? Right. Well, I think I think this is one of the easiest ones to predict. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Man, Man City um, have never, Bournemouth have never actually beaten Man City in their entire 129 year history, <laughs> uh, which which sounds quite grand. But then they didn't actually play each other until the 80s. Um, but that's still 14 games, uh, 12 City wins and two draws. And in recent years, there's been quite a few and a four and five goal victories. Um, I'd say saying that it tends to be more at um, at Manchester where they um, they kind of fall apart. Um, at Dean Court, they kind of, particularly the last couple of games, or the last the game last season, they just look to go really, really defensive and shut the game down. So they've, they've lost two one and one nil in this the last couple of seasons. Um, so what I imagine is Bournemouth will try and park the bus. They'll be marginally successful in that they'll probably restrict City to maybe one or two goals. But I still see City winning this one. Bournemouth trying to park the bus does not sound like it's going to be very successful, does it? No, I, I just think um, I think they've they kind of. I think that Eddie Howe has looked at the, the kind of the way that Benitez used to play against City and kind of gone. Just give them the ball, drop really deep, go the kind of twenty percent possession, um, and and just try and stay in the game as long as possible. Um, the one player, so Raheem Sterling, uh, until the one nil last season, he'd scored every time he'd played against Bournemouth. Um, so it's a bit of an obvious shout out, but I think Raheem Sterling would be uh, would be one to look at. Um, but against someone like De Bruyne, if you've got a deep playing team and you need someone to kind of pick a gap, it might be a long shot, it might be a kind of a, an angled through ball or one of the crosses like he did last time. I think I think he's going to be a a key player again, and maybe Bernardo Silva and like a quite a tight pitch is there, isn't it? And just having someone um, skillful and jinky who can just get into that tight gap and, and find a way through. With the Sterling shout, I know you're saying it's obvious, but it's kind of crucial to the captaincy picks for a lot of teams this season. With Salah at home to Arsenal, Arsenal may be looking a bit tighter at the back and at least having better personnel back there. 
the choice between Salah at home, Sterling away, maybe the fact that he does well away to Bournemouth swings it. What do you think? Yeah, I I had Salah to start with just because I was I still got my doubts about Arsenal's defence, but yeah, and that's one I'm gonna probably think a bit more about because I mean Sterling has been playing so well. I mean not not just uh, the, these two games this season, but pretty much all of last season. He's so effective and so efficient that you kind of think, um, yeah, he's he's kind of a must-have, and he yeah he's he's just, he's just such a good player as like a um, a creative player and a goal scorer. So, so yeah, I definitely, um, definitely don't think there's, you can't go far wrong with Sterling, really. It's a debate that's going to go on every game all season, isn't it? Sterling or Salah, Sterling or Salah. So, yeah, I mean, either's good, isn't it? But Sterling does look tasty away. Um, Matt, what do you reckon to Spurs-Newcastle? Um, so again, I think a rather predictable one. I think Spurs uh, should comfortably win this. Uh, Newcastle looking a bit poor, um, as most people expected, uh, having just lost Rafa Benitez. Um, and Spurs, they'll be quite buoyed by their, their decent result away at Man City. Um, and Ndombele looks like a real pick. Um, like it looks like a really good signing, um, really skillful play. He's already been quite involved in some of their goals. Uh, at six million is quite quite a tempter, um, and then it's that big conundrum of is Harry Kane good value at eleven million? Can you squeeze him in alongside Sterling and Salah, or is he even worth sacrificing one of Sterling or Salah to have Kane in your team? Because this is a game that you can you can see him scoring big again, um, and so it's uh, it, 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 the fact that Spurs are really good sort of can present some challenges to to fantasy managers, I think, because. It's trying to squeeze those Spurs assets into the team is quite difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's tough for me personally on the Kane, Sterling or Salah one. It's Sterling and, and Salah um, kind of head and shoulders above Kane. I just think Kane has those games which just drift by him sometimes and he plays deep and he plays that kind of number 10 role, sometimes away from home. Um, and I just don't think he's worth... Um, He's on the same level of those two at the moment. I think he has to prove it first half of the season, and then I might consider him. Mm, I just I'm looking at the fixtures and just looking at. Um, I mean, I know he didn't get get points uh, yesterday, but that was Man City away. I, I, I can see him going on a bit of a good. He's got quite good fixtures coming up. I can see him going on a bit of a run. He's definitely a really good differential uh, from some of the regular fantasy managers that most of whom have this sort of Sterling. Salah pick. Um, I, th- I think he's a he's an interesting one. I mean, I'm going through the exact same kind of permutations, and I'm I kind of I I I'd originally decided at the start of the season to go with Kane, um, but then the thought of watching kind of Salah take on Norwich then at home the first game of the season, I just thought, oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to um, I'm gonna have to bring Salah in. This will be a nightmare. He could get a hat trick, and but. I'd, I do wonder if Salah's kind of returns are diminishing a little bit with Liverpool and Kane is looking a bit lean and mean and ready and looking like he wants to um, kind of remind everyone what a good player he is. So um, I am I am one of those that's wavering a bit. I think I've, I've still got um, complete impeccable faith in Sterling, but but Salah, yeah, I, I can see I can see the the merits of Harry Kane with um, with Matt mentioning his fixtures. They've got Newcastle at home, game week three, Crystal Palace at home, game week five, 
Southampton game week seven at home, Watford at home game week nine. So every other fixture, they have a prime home fixture against the team that looks to be shipping goals at the moment, which is pretty key. The only thing for me is Ericsson's future and, and whether Ericsson is actually kind of playing for the jersey at the moment. He seems a bit distracted. And then the stats have come out that he has a big influence on Kane's game. Just wonder if there's a good atmosphere around the club at the moment. And with Kane being the main man, whether that's going to affect him. What do you reckon, Matt? Um, I mean, we'll see if they do do cash in him because I think he's he might be running down his contract. Um, they've got Son coming back. Moore looks in good form. Um, I think there's lots of talk that Kane can only play with like Dembele or, or with Ericsson or with, with certain combinations on the field. And I, I think people jump to that a little bit too readily. Um, personally, I think that he's a sort of striker that you just give him, give him half a sniff. Uh, like the opening day of the season, he didn't do much. And then suddenly he just scored two goals out of nothing. Uh, just one touch control, other touch, smash into the corner. Um, that he doesn't doesn't necessarily need an awful lot of chances or supply sometimes just to be be able to bang the goals in. So I, I do think he's a very reliable pick. Um, but I think you're right to the extent that I think Salah and Sterling are slightly better, partly because they're midfielders, as they they get more points every time they score a goal. They've got the chance of the bonus point for a, a clean sheet, um, and their the bonus point present potential is often better because Kane will, as you say, can drift out the game. Still get a goal, but that does only mean six points rather than seven, eight, ten that Salah and Sterling would get as soon as they score a goal. Yeah. And again, similar to the captaincy debate for Sterling and Salah, I think this is going to go on all season. And yeah, it's good fun. What about whipping boys for game week three? Um, Gary, who's your, your whipping boys? Um, well, it's the first time I've done this, so I was tempted to just say Sheffield United, but um, I'll I'll I'll, reserve, I'll I'll resist the temptation to say that. Um, I explained why I think Bournemouth will only lose narrowly to Man City, so I'm going to go with Newcastle at Spurs. I think they they've got the the biggest potential to ship uh, four or five uh, this week. Okay, Matt, what do you reckon? Um... Well, I didn't say Man United would thrash Palace at home, uh, even though Palace do look a bit weak, because I just I got a slight sense that uh, Man U might struggle to beat teams that park the bus this season. So I'm going to go Man City uh, because they're just so, so such a good team going forward. You think Man City are going to be the whipping boys? I was, uh, well, I think Man City are going to whip Bournemouth. Um, <laughs> if, whip, if I was, whip if I was Bournemouth to, boys. Yeah, if I was going to differential from um, from Spurs smashing Newcastle. I. Um, I think I agree with you. I'm just what I was thinking about the slightly bad atmosphere around Spurs at the moment and the Ericsson transfer saga. So I go for Bournemouth as well. I'm sorry, Gary, but um, yeah, because there's three of us on. It's Bournemouth this week with Newcastle as a close second. Okay, um, well, can I just say it's it's good news for you, Dunk, because I, I think last season when um, Arsenal were away at Liverpool, they got um, about three out of four people on the pod predicted Arsenal as whipping boys. So, so um, <laughs> obviously improved this season. We'll see. We'll definitely see if that's true. Um, what about um, clean sheets, Gary? Who's your first clean sheet in week three? Um, here I will go for Man City. Uh, I don't think Bournemouth are going to get many shots against them. Yeah, they haven't looked very good going forward at the moment, um, which has been slightly unexpected. What do you reckon, Matt? 
Um, I think Man U stand a very good chance against Palace, who I think will be parking the bus but not not attacking much. I think that's an excellent shout. The only thing, obviously, they haven't played Wolves yet, so we don't know too much. But based on uh, the game against Chelsea, I saw a stat that they had conceded the second ma- most amount of shots in game week one um, in the whole league. I think it was only Villa who conceded more. So despite the fact that their defence looked quite good, they were still conceding a lot of shots. So, yeah, I mean, Palace are playing pretty badly up front. So I think it's a good shout. Just a note of caution on the Man U defence. And just to put the cat among your Maguire pigeons, Matt. Um, <laughs> For my clean sheet, um, I think maybe in the Wolves-Burnley game, because I've said it might end nil-nil. Um, so I think I might go for Burnley, just because I think Wolves playing against Torino in the week on Thursday, who are a decent opposition in comparison to who they've been playing so far. And Burnley aren't hopefully going to give them a chance to counter-attack. So I'll go for a Burnley clean sheet. Back to you, Matt. Well, Gary, back to you, Gary. Um, well, don't you were talking about teams that conceded lots of shots? Well, I think Spurs conceded 30 against Man City um, on uh, on Saturday, but I've, I've got them down for a clean sheet at home to Newcastle because it's not quite the same um, attacking threat with Almiron and uh, Joe Linton at the moment. So um, I'll, I'll bank on Spurs to, uh, to, to keep those two out. Yeah, and if Alan Shearer's analysis, which is always pretty scathing of Newcastle, and showing the distance between Joe Linton on the pitch and Almiron being kind of a vast chasm between the two of them. I think that's going to continue. So great shout. Matt, what about any more clean sheets from you? So I don't personally think there'll be other clean sheets. I think the other one that's noteworthy that we've spoken about earlier is probably Everton against uh, Villa because Everton seems to be starting quite well at the, at the back. But um, I, I still, uh, I have my doubts uh, in that one so I, I think um, that that's it for me yeah I think that's it for me as well um, but I think the ones we've picked look pretty safe um, pretty good shouts at the moment for those ones um, Matt do you want to update us on our Fantasy Football Fanatics joint team and, and how we did this week and what we need to do next week yeah sure so um, let me just get it up we have uh an okay week this week after after doing really well last week um we've got 44 points and i think we're just about all played out now so uh barkley it didn't play at all so andone's one point comes on for him uh crucial crucial which which tips us up to 45 points which is which is average well maybe slightly below average actually for this game week um where we did really well is is marnie's now back um we had a big debate about whether to have him instead of Salah, uh, but it looks like actually he's, he's he's doing quite well to match him so far. So good thirteen points from him. Good captaincy shout on Sterling, uh, six points, double to twelve, um, and then King got us six, and then everyone else got us absolutely nothing. So uh, a, a mixed week, I think, where we relied on our heavy hitters to sort of uh, to to bring us home. Um, so yeah, uh, I think we need to decide on uh, transfers for. For this week um so duncan do you have any suggestions yeah ross barkley he's the problem in my own team i think me and gary were i think it was me and gary or maybe it was me and you matt i think it was me and you were very keen on having him in this team so i can accept some of the blame and uh i would say trossard 
Trossard looks like fun. Trossard or Mount are my shouts. Do we have anything in the bank? So we've got, um, I think we've got half a million in the bank. Um, oh no, we, so we don't have half a million in the bank because we spent that on Andone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which now we've got. But we've we've got two transfers, haven't we? So we, we do could... have two transfers though, so we could uh, we could do a bit of restructuring if we wanted to get uh, Mr. Pookie in for to King. Yeah, definitely, because King is up against Man City, isn't he? So I think we ship him out. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, the only thing I'd say on Pookie, and I'm, I'm I'm happy for us to put him in, but I think he's got Chelsea home, West Ham away, City home. His next three games, so it. If for my personal team, I'm going to hold off on him until those three games are gone. I, I suspect he won't score many the next three games. His price might go down a couple of um, hundred thousand and then he will be a bit more attractive. But who knows? He, he proved me wrong against uh, Liverpool and scored. So, um, yeah, I'd be more than happy to see uh, his, uh, his kind of slightly shiny head kind of racing around our front line. So yeah, the, the question. The, sorry, the question mark I have is we could we've got two transfers potentially. So we could we'd have to uh, sell Barkley for a cheaper player to afford Pookie. Now he's gone up in value relative to King. So uh, the two I had in mind is potentially Sabayas or or your man Cantwell um, Dunk uh, to sort of fund the the Pookie upgrade, or we go down the route that. We were suggesting of just direct swap for Barkley, six million player, for someone like a Trossard or a Mason Mount uh, this week. That's tough. I think who Gary, who's your alternative to Pookie up front instead of King? I mean, I, I, I still have a I still have a sneaking suspicion that um, Che Adams might um, kind of come good for Southampton but I think I think for my team I was looking at getting um, a bit of restructuring and getting Moise Keane in but he's 7 million so that's a bit more I would I would have shouted out um, bringing in the Austrian asshole Ashley <laughs> Barnes but um, he's gone up as well now to 6.6 .6, so same as Pookie so it doesn't really help I, I think, think Pookie's 6.7 now is he? wow well yeah I think I don't want to go any cheaper than that for that striker spot unless we get rid of it altogether and King goes out for a, a 4.5 um, Wickham or something like that and we just have Kane as the number one up front. We know he's going to play every game and we go for five in midfield or five at the back and get rid of, you know, get rid of Barkley, um, bring in uh, Cantwell and... Yeah, play Cantwell for the, the first week. But um, no, we can't do that without spending a hit because we need to bring in a defender, wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, my personal, my, my preference, but it, uh, I'm going to say that Duncan gets the final say this week, uh, is that I think we should be using our two transfers to get rid of Barkley and King um, to get Pookie in so that at least I think it, almost for coverage, uh, I think it's necessary to get Pookie in at the moment uh, because uh, he's, he's scoring so strongly, but also he's going up in transfer value so quickly. Um, and then use the downgrade. I think I, I had the idea of maybe getting Ceballos in at five and a half uh, to get an Arsenal man uh, who, who's looking quite skillful. But we could go for Cantwell and double up on Norwich as well. Um, I don't know. 
I, I, I just think that not as I said those those tricky fixtures for Norwich I think doubling up on them might be a bit overkill I, I'd, I'd be quite interested in in uh, onions as well Sabios as a uh, as a as a potential um, player he might he might come good is is Sabios oh, yeah. to you I think you're in the hot seat is Sabios onions in Spanish yeah oh my god <laughs> so he's he's Dan onions yeah yeah well that that solidifies it he's got to come into the team and he's the, <laughs> he's the onion knight um I can't see a better reason than that bring him in yeah um the only thing I would say is his next two fixtures are phenomenally hard Liverpool and Tottenham um that's really tough but maybe we're, we're getting him in for his cheap price before it goes up um and after that it's a nice run of fixtures so yeah i think based on the form of the players so far um i think those are two good shouts and also good fun uh, fun players yeah all right locked in then pookie and sabios in uh, but, um, and we can we can afford to wait um until you know, later in the week, so we don't get any injury problems or anything like that, can't we? Because we've got a bit of leeway with the budget, with Sabios being cheap. Yeah, there's a million or so to well, point million or so to uh to play with there as well. Yeah. Okay, nice one. Um, so the final one, then we do have to set to captain as well for uh, for next week. Um, and so Kane, Sterling, and Mane are the the obvious big heavy hitters in our team. Uh, do we have a preference? Gary, what what do you reckon? He's gone silent on the matter, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, um, can, you, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Gary, what do you reckon? Oh, sorry. I did, um, I'd go for Kane. It's a plum fixture, I think, on um, home to Newcastle. Yeah. Put your I money on I, Kane. I think I agree. What do you think, Matt? I, I, I think you could pick the Sterling every single game week and you wouldn't go too far wrong. Um, but I'm happy to be outvoted and go for Kane because I think that's also a really good pick. It's nice to have the option between the two of them. Um, yeah, I guess if I've got the final pick, I will say Kane. All right. Because I think he's less owned than Sterling. I'm guessing he's less owned anyway. He's 29%, Sterling's 40 So, yeah, a bit of a differential. Um, tiny one anyway. Yeah, I reckon Kane. All right, we're all set. Excellent. Nice one. Um, we've, we've now set up a... Fancy Football Fanatics uh, League for you guys to join the listeners, compete with us. Easier for you to see our teams, see how well or badly we're doing. You can also compete with the Fantasy Football Fanatics uh, joint team, um, which is doing all right. Um, and our plan is that we're going to shout out the leader each week. So it's very unlikely it's going to be any of us. It's probably going to be one of you guys, the listeners. So if you want to join our, our league, um, it's the league code is lowercase k zero seven uh, lowercase o lowercase o lowercase f. Um, so Ben will tweet that on our Twitter account as well. So that's at fplffanatics. Um, so check us out on there. Ben's also recently been doing a Meet the Fanatics a series of tweets, so you can see our teams. And he's given a little bit of a profile. He's called Gary a Maverick Savant, which I like. That's really nice. 
Um, Gary, speaking of um, your savantism, what about gut punts this week? How, how are we doing? Um, so then, well, this week, um, well, we've got a new leader. I've, I've shot to the top of the, uh, the leaderboard um, with my, fortunately not in my actual team, but Thibaut Puki. Um, so I think, I think pretty sure in saying 17 points is the best gut punt we've ever had. So uh, he's, um, so I've gone up to 20 points despite um, Iwobi, my regular pick, not, not playing. Um, then from the rest of you, it was quite a quiet week. Um, we probably need to get out of the habit of picking gut punts who don't play. <laughs> <laughs> ben, ben picked Iwobi, who didn't play at all. Uh, Matt had Maupai, who just came off the, uh, the bench, I think. Um, Andy Adandone, who, who only came off the bench. Um, so, so Duncan picking Christian, as uh, so, so picking Pascal Gross. Uh, Christian Gross would have been a bit, bit of a stretch. Uh, <laughs> Pascal Gross with three points. You're, you're still up there on 18. Uh, a couple of our other regular picks, um, Grealish and O'Connell raked in a few points. Um, but yeah, as a, and the, on the early stakes on our um, trophies for the, lowest value player we're not we're not hitting it at the moment i think lundstrom who's in your actual teams is the uh the runaway leader in the doherty cup at the moment he's got 17 points from two games and um the the best budget striker is divok Origi at the moment um and ours ours are kind of a little bit mid middle of the pack um gary can can i make a request on the gut punts yeah um could we? Could there be a, a transfer window at some point in the season where maybe we can ship out some of our season gut punts? Maybe like a wild card at Christmas when we ship them out and we bring in new ones. I'm just, I'm just thinking Billy, Billy Sharp might not last the full season, <laughs> and uh, I, I, Iwobi may never play. Um, I'm slightly worried Glenn Murray's going to retire mid season too, so I could be in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll review that. Well, like, maybe we'll review that around the the transfer window. I'm afraid you're locked into them at the moment, but um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, coming on to next week. Um, so, I, I, there hasn't been much of a consensus, I think, so far on who to pick. So, I'll I'll give you Andy and Ben's um, gut punts. Um, so, um, Ben's gone for one of the midfielders who's. Uh, it's, Right on the six million, who's who's doing quite well this season so far, Eric Lamella. Um, so six million pounds, one percent ownership, and at home to Newcastle. So I can see um, that being quite a shrewd one, if indeed he starts, as we didn't have a very good record with this last week. Um, I guess Lucas Moore might be pushing um, for his place in the team. Um, Andy went for Manuel Lanzini, uh, who again for West Ham is a kind of a useful player and in and around. So he might be a good one. Um, Dunk, you've um, you mentioned Trossard a few times, but do you want to elaborate on him as he's your, your gut pump for the week? Yeah, I think uh, there was a lot of hype about him um, pre-season. Um, Matt brought him into his, his team and didn't start the first game, but there was a lot of talk that that was because Potter wanted the established players to fight for their place. But then, you know what a debut he comes in and scores a goal and a really good goal it's disallowed and then just does it again um i think he scored 22 goals as captain um it, when was it genk um 
yeah. who he used to play for in Belgium and they won the title. So I think he's uh, 24 years old, it's good age and he's got a good pedigree. So yeah, he just looked really sharp and really offensive and there's potential for him a bit to be on set pieces as well. And I think Matt has said, you know, he can fit into different systems that Potter might play. So yeah, I, I just, I like him and I think he's really cheap as well and a good option at the moment with good fixtures. So um, I've gone a little bit maverick on this one as well this week. So um, I've gone uh, Burnley away at Wolves isn't an obvious one where you'd think they might do well, but I was I was quite impressed with how Burnley played against Arsenal, and um, I quite rate Dwight McNeil, who again six million pounds. He's one of those that not quite persuaded me to take me a gamble for my team full time, but um, he seems to be involved in a lot of Ashley Barnes's goals and is a good good threat coming in off the wing. Uh, I, I kind of get the pressure, the impression that Wolves prefer to play some of the really established sides rather than a kind of a more gritty team like Burnley. So I've got a, I've got a sneaking feeling for, for Dwight McNeil uh, this week. Um, so then, Gary, Gary, you, you've nicked, have you surely nicked the bonus point for um, picking the, the least valued player? Because Trossard's 0.7% owned, but Dwight McNeil is 0.4. He's a proper differential. Well, I don't, I don't know who Matt's pick is. So if he, he, he might be about to steal this crown with a, with his, um, with a real out there, out there <laughs> pick. So, uh, so Matt, what does the data say? Who's, who's your gut pump for this week? Well, if I, if I could really quickly sort on ownership level by and look at the bottom <laughs> of the league, I could do that. But no, I've, um, I've decided to go for Luke Shaw this week. Uh, for Man United at home to Palace. Um, I just think that there's a very high chance of a clean sheet. And uh, admittedly, from the only game I've seen Man United play this so far this season, uh, I can see us using our fullbacks a lot more to, to bomb forward. Um, and whilst Juan Bissaka is like the really popular, highly owned one, Luke Shaw, I think, is uh, slightly sneaking under the radar as our, our left footer that can sort of uh, hold the touch line and go wide and, and get some crosses in. I, I seem to remember a few of you having Luke Shaw last um, year and I was very annoyed because he scored in the, the first game and it was pretty much the, the first senior goal he'd ever scored in his career. Um, and I wasn't convinced that that form could last. But um... Yeah, I think he's starting to uh, I say, well, mature very, very slowly. I mean, he's still quite young because he obviously when he transferred his cross as a teenager. Uh, but... I just see signs now that he, he sort of understands his position. He's never, uh, he's always had lots of skill, uh, but if he's, if he can match that with his, his fitness, I think he could be a, he could be a really good player this year. Um, and uh, we've got a bit more of a complete defense. And so therefore our clean sheet uh, potential, I think is much higher as well. Do we need to pick our, our season gut punts, Gary? Oh no! I think we lost Gary. <laughs> okay, Matt, who's going to be your season gut punt for game week three? So um, I've got uh, the rather difficult choice between Aaron's. Uh, Norwich don't seem very good at the back against Chelsea. Uh, Murray up front, but I still think they're rotating quite heavily up there. So I'm, I'm not fully backing on his starts. And Decore, who when I picked him managed to score himself an own goal. So it's uh, it's not not a very good three to pick from um, I'm going to go and punt on Glenn Murray getting a penalty uh, against Southampton 
at Hapworth, he, he's going to he's going to need a penalty at the moment because he's looking his age. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then he, he looked it last year and he still managed to score score goals. He's just got that sort of wily canniness to sort of be in the right place. Um, and I think actually as a super sub, he might be uh, might be quite useful for him actually if he if he does get less minutes in some ways. He means he can uh, be, be slightly more energetic uh, for those few minutes he does play. Well, I can hardly take the piss because my uh, season pick is going to be Billy Sharp. Um, they're at home again. <laughs> this is exactly the same off. pick. In some <laughs> Basically, um, he didn't come off the bench um, in this game week, but game week three, I think Leicester might be a bit tougher to break down, hopefully. And Billy Sharp come off the bench and, and get another toe poke or off the backside, something like that. But to be honest, the rest of my gut punt, Season picks are, are tricky. Townsend, I mean, that's boring away to Man United. I don't think he's going to get much. And Lascelles is looking like the worst <laughs> pick of the lot in the Doherty Trophy. So, well, but you um, say you say worst choice. pick. I mean, at least he might pick up two points every now and again. I mean, better than some some of my picks of Decore getting minus one. I don't know. Decore is a solid pick. I think he's going to be there at end of the season with a decent amount of points for sure. And. Um, can I, can I just add if, if I'm if I'm audible again, I might just um, I, there was a there was a lot of um, a lot of hype and optimism about Man United on the uh, the pod last week. So I I just like to add a note of caution that it'd be good to see um, how they get on away at Wolves and a couple of their other away fixtures. Um, so while I agree that Luke Shaw might be a a good pick this season, they, I've, I've still got a nagging feeling that they're going to be quite similar to they were last season at United. That they'll, they'll they'll have a few good weeks, but I, I, I suspect I suspect their defence might not be um, watertight uh, yet. Boo! <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair enough. I think it was all good when it was going well last season. As soon as it went wrong, they didn't really know how to turn it around. So that's that's when we'll really find out when they have some tougher fixtures. I don't want to hear this realism. I want blind optimism about Manu, please. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, um, who's your gut punt season gut punt? Um, so I'm still sticking with Che Adams to come good. I think he's um, he's kind of looked uh, a little bit threatening now and again. Um, and I I still I still quite fancy Southampton to um, to kind of cause a few upsets this season and and, and get a few goals along the way. So. Um, I think he might be a um, one to watch. He's still only six million, I think. So um, he's in consideration for my team. But, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Nice one. Um, the, who's the gut punts covered? Are you right if I jump back in? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think I mentioned it before. If you don't follow us already on Twitter, give us a follow at FBL FF Fanatics. You can see um, the meet the fanatics. Ben's been tweeting all of our different teams and our profiles recently. Um, he's also um, a good way of getting in touch with us is through Ben on Twitter. So at FPL FF Fanatics. Um, and also, if you've got the time, if you like the show, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Um, it means a great deal to us and it will mean that other listeners, potential listeners can find us. So we really appreciate that. And um I think I shouted out before, but stay tuned if you want to hear that Ashley Barnes grime track. Um, it's coming up pretty soon. Um, guys, anything more from you or are you happy to sign off? 
I mean, I just add to say, um, yeah, if you join the league, the um, the FF Fanatics Hive Mind team. See if you see if you can beat the Hive Mind. There's a, there's only a very select small group of two hundred and thirty thousand seven hundred and seventy people in the world at the moment. Uh, that's out of seven billion people. So I mean, that's pretty elite. Um, so so we'll see we'll see. Now and now we've got Pookie up front, then it's, it could be uh, even harder. Yeah, and even though they get to hear our transfers before we do them, um, that, that might give them the edge, but you never know, the high find is strong. If you want to follow uh, that league, if you want to join that league and compete with us, it's K07, lowercase O, lowercase O, F. Um, so, yeah, get on there and, and, and beat us if you can. Um, thank you for your insight tonight, Matt. Cheers. Come on, pookie time. Thank you for your insight, Gary. My pleasure. Roll on with Ashley Barnes, the Austrian bastard. Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs>